welcome to Killing the Church, a conversation with Bradley and Seamus. Tonight, <laughs> we're going to talk about issues that are killing the church. <laughs> I'm just going to say roll with it. I may keep that. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say roll with it for now. Um, <laughs> uh, but for this, <laughs> for a serious note, tonight we plan to talk about uh, an issue that we've already talked about before. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna come back uh, again and be a little bit more thorough, as well as uh, the video quality on the previous video was kind not of. not up to par. Yeah. Um, Finally, we have a, a professional setting to do this in, and uh, I think it's a subject worth going over again. Yeah. Uh, in a more appealing way. <laughs> it looks better. It'll be better produced. The last one, the sound quality was garbage. It's terrible. Uh, the, <laughs> the video quality was literally shot on our phones. Yes. Um, and we did it over Facebook Live, and I just can't stand that setup. Well, and those those won't make it to YouTube. Yeah. So. And so this is uh, this is Acts chapter ten revamped. Yep. Beer, 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 beer. <laughs> um, but as always, uh, we're going to do a whiskey review. Yep. And uh, this time with some new crystal. Ah, yes. That... I don't think they can see it on the camera. No, probably not. Maybe? Oh, you can see it on, on this camera here, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this was a housewarming gift because, well... The new studio that we're currently in is uh, in a new location that I'm now living in. Yeah. And so, and, uh, got you your own set of Irish Crystal now. Uh, very similar to what we were drinking out of before. Same company, different design. Yes. Um, I like this design better, actually. Than the yeah, other I one. like the squares. Yeah, I don't like... It has a round bottom, this one. And the other one had the hexagon-shaped bottom. That's true. And uh, I am now realizing that I enjoy the round shape it feels nice in the hands too yeah, yeah i think it looks it looks better especially in the lighting yep. <clears throat> and for our whiskey i went out and uh purchased one of my favorite whiskeys to fill this with and uh that is the Ooh, careful got it <laughs> yep telemore do Aged in rum casks. Yes, the Tullamore rum. <laughs> Mine was the first glass you poured, so you were extremely yeah. careful, and then you're like, "Oh, it's actually not yeah, that hard." I, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> the, the shape of the the decanter is is such that it shouldn't run down the side of the glass. So that's so yeah, cool. As long as you pour it more confidently. Yeah. So uh, it was one of my favorite whiskeys actually because it's like a whiskey that was made just for me. These <laughs> are Cuban and like whiskey. Yes, well, Cuban and, and Irish on the mom's side a little bit, and so that's where the uh, you know naturally I like whiskey, but it's aged in rum casks, and so that like you know, holla at the Cuban in me. I actually haven't, <laughs> and I've been meaning to try this one by Tullamore because I like Tullamore Dew in general. It's a really good one. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been meaning to try this one. So when you picked it up, I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, tell me what you think, man. It's, that's very pretty, like most Irish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Tullamore Dew is typically their their whiskeys are much much brighter. Yeah, well, any Irish is going to be really bright, like mm-hmm. the Red Breast, um, in my opinion, anyway. Not very dark. Mm. You wow. Taste, you taste the rum cask on the on the you aftertaste. Definitely taste the rum. For me, right away. Really? Yeah, right away you get a really like sweet taste it's extremely sweet right away it, it just tastes like rum to me actually <laughs> really it doesn't even taste like whiskey <laughs> See, no like i taste i taste the whiskey and then like you know I after taste... i've swallowed it on the aftertaste it's like oh there's the sugar cane yeah no i taste just straight spiced <laughs> rum <laughs> with like it with an irish hint <laughs> uh to me anyway that's how it hits me it's very yeah very sweet and like kind of fruity sweet sweet is really the, the, the word I keep it, it, it back is to. a sweet one it's not uh, not quite the the twelve year age. We're gonna have to get another bottle of that. That's yeah. That, that's my all time favorite for right now is. And it's nowhere near as heavy. Oh god, no. <laughs> as brewicladic. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 no. That that was um, 
That one was hard. <laughs> yes. Good, good whiskey, but very hard to drink uh, more than a sip at a time for a while. But um, so I guess the whiskey review out of the way. Absolutely. Um, Let's go ahead. You know what we don't do in our whiskey reviews actually is real quickly is whether or not we recommend these kinds of things. Oh well. So. I mean, I don't think I've tried one yet that I wouldn't recommend. True. <laughs> so. All right, whiskey review I, out of the way. <laughs> I would pretty much recommend all of them, but you know this one especially if you're more prone to to sweeter. Uh, if you like sweeter whiskeys. Definitely, yeah. Sweeter, lighter taste, um, not super harsh. Yeah, it's definitely not harsh. Doesn't burn a lot. Doesn't right burn now. it really at all. Um, you can just sort of drink this because you're thirsty. Yeah. On a nice summer. This one is definitely a summer. Summer whiskey, yeah. for sure. This is this is certainly a. Uh... So if you're going to sit on the porch and drink a whiskey and enjoy a nice summer day while you grill steaks. Um, I would also recommend like maybe a Connecticut cigar with this. Yeah. <laughs> Something light to complement the the sweetness of the rum. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know. Um, yeah, sure. So we'll, now we'll call it. Yeah. That's the whiskey review That's, out of the way. Yeah. Whether or not I we would recommend. recommend I don't recommend the Brew Athletic for new newcomers. Oh no 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 no. Yeah. No, you need to become seasoned before attempting that one because that one's harsh yeah seasoned <laughs> it, yeah absolutely that you was... have to learn to taste like the finer notes of whatever's behind the harsh punch <laughs> <laughs> but you know i say let's just dive right into it let's just um, jump into it <laughs> the acts chapter 10 which we went over you know, like we said a little bit in another video mm -hmm. um but uh, i know you've had probably just as many experiences as me at this point when you're asked why you specifically avoid uh, bacon on, on your burger at Burger King or something like that. Um, or, and, yeah. You know, uh, pe people notice that, which is, it's interesting because that's the whole point to the command. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> God says, you know, the nations will look and go, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> this is a different and peculiar people. And, uh, you know, so yeah, you, uh, you know, people notice that you, you don't, do certain things and you don't eat certain foods and they always ask about it and when you tell them well you know the bible says not to then the arguments start. this is this is where acts well, 10 wait a minute though yeah yeah and usually um acts 10 is the go-to one for the kosher laws particularly it's the first that's go -to. yeah there are a couple of go-to's this is the first one there are a couple more, and we'll hit up those in other videos. Mm -hmm. uh, but for this video, we're going to concentrate on Acts 10, specifically. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll just start it the way we did it last time, where we'll read through a little bit of it. Or uh, Actually, do you want to just read through the whole thing? Nah, we'll read through a little bit of it. Yeah. And then we'll kind of explain as we go, because uh, there are some parts. Whole it's, first of all, it's a long chapter. Yeah. And, and there's a lot going on. You kind of get lost, yeah. Um, so there's good stuff that we can touch on while we're here. So, you know... Now in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. A cohort, excuse me. <laughs> he was a devout man, uh, revering God with all of his household. He gave tzedakah generously to the people and prayed to God continually. Um, okay, so, I, you know, that's actually not a bad... Yeah, that's really not a bad place to start. I said tzedakah. My translation has that. It's the Hebrew word for charity. Yeah. Um, KJV here says alms. Alms. Which is... Alms. Alms, alms for the poor. <laughs> <laughs> we have to... Robin we have Hood to anybody? learn to be so much more mature than this. <laughs> Ooda lolly. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> oh, but, okay, so, you know, it... We get, first of all, that he's a military officer. Yeah, centurion of a cohort. Yeah, and uh, but it says that he was a devout man. That's that's important. Yep, that's not okay. a light thing to take. Yeah, we're not we're not just saying yeah he's you know he's a mensch. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's a good guy. Uh, this is one of those where um, you know a devout man of what? Just to clarify quickly, there was not Christianity yet. Yeah, there wasn't really uh, there there you know there, there were people who believed that uh, Yeshua was the Messiah, but yeah, but this... there was no distinct religion 
for that. Well, even then, at this per particular moment in time, the only people that know about Yeshua is people like in Israel and Jerusalem specifically. And, like, yeah. Very few, it's very centered. This has not gotten out to the world yet. Yeah. So he is a devout man of Judaism. He would be what's called a God-fearer. And this is this is in, in you know, well, Caesarea. Most people would probably understand that as, you know, uh, Caesarea or Caesarea or whatever. Yeah, I understand the, the, the original way to pronounce that. All C's in, <laughs> in Latin are hard C's. A lot yes. of people know that. Like Caesar, that's not how you say Caesar. In Latin, you say Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Most people don't know that. As a linguist, it bothers me. So, like, you learn something new. Caesar salad, you mean Kaiser salad. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't sound as attractive No, that it doesn't. Way. And, I, and I've actually heard something that like a, a, a Mexican man came up with it, and his name was Caesar. And so it said like the way his name is done, but, gotcha. but they still put like the Roman silhouette on a Caesar yeah. uh, salad. And so it's Kaiser the way. But anyway, that's a whole nother, um, he's in Kaiseria. Uh, devout man, so he's a, a very observant, God-fearing, almost Jew. Not quite a Jew, because he didn't convert. He couldn't convert. Well, and that's, that is the important part, I think, is to, uh, to, to explain that, you know, this man is being introduced, and the first thing we're told is that he's, he's a Gentile, and we're, we're told his, his job. And then we're told he's a devout man. So it's kind of like laying the case for why he had not com converted to Judaism yet. Okay, you know, well, yeah, he's got a job that forbids that. Yep. Okay, it's, it, would, it would be a, a capital offense for him to do so. But he's a devout man. He does, you know, observe um, yeah. the Jewish religion as much as he's able at this point. Yep. So, the, like I said, a God-fearer, mm -hmm. um, which is a common thing back then. Um, so about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, calling out his name. Um, at the ninth hour of the day, uh, that is the uh, the mincha prayer, uh, or the afternoon prayer, essentially. Mm -hmm. Ninth hour is, uh, is, uh, is like somewhere around three in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, but they didn't have, you know, a 12-hour clock, face clock, you know, to... So, but anyway, so at the ninth hour, that's when you would be praying in the afternoon, the Mincha prayer at the time of the afternoon sacrifices. So again, he's, he's a devout man, and here we see him, you know, observing... Jewish custom. Ju Jewish custom, yeah. yeah he, he's... He probably went to the local synagogue, because Caesarea had a huge Jewish population. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think, I think that's probably a safe... Well, yeah, because we're going to read later on. Well, actually, I think we already read that yeah. he was well-loved by the Jewish people. Yeah. Um, and, and that's... Uh, uh, where would he associate with them on a regular basis? Synagogue. At yeah, a synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? The angel said to him, Your prayers and sadaka have gone up as a memorial offering before God. I love that verse. This is, mm. this is just... It, it's, it's commonplace in Jewish teaching that your prayers, especially given at the hours at which the sacrifices would be given, your prayers are received as those sacrifices yes even though you can't be there to do it yes um, and that's uh, that that's something important uh to the jews in the diaspora and actually jews today now where we live in an age where there is no temple you know so they they can't go there and make sacrifices so right um it's something it's something important to note um and i believe actually the yeah, it's like, uh, the Talmudic tractate Barachot 26b, actually, yeah. you know, there's uh, Rabbi Yo uh, Yosef, actually, like, or no, Joshua, Rabbi Joshua uh, lays out an entire case as, as to why the daily prayers directly align with the times of sacrifice. And, right. And he kind of builds that case. We actually see this uh, model throughout most of uh, the Old Testament, um, like uh, Daniel we see that mm -hmm. the three times of prayer are in Daniel, so in the time of the Babylonian exile. So this is an ancient uh, custom. And they get the idea from the fathers, the way that they prayed. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like strictly a biblical command or anything like that, but it's something that is derived from the Bible that, you know, uh, that the uh, the Jewish people hold hold to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, but this is, uh, this is a, a profound statement because he is a Gentile. So even if he wanted to, he could not go to the temple and offer a sacrifice because he's not a legal convert. Yeah, he's not circumcised. Yeah, yeah. and so 
for an angel to tell him that his prayers are being received as a sacrifice is actually a big statement for Gentiles yes. in this time. Because as it was understood at the time, Gentiles can't be saved. And we're getting yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, outside outside of converting to Judaism, that was an impossibility yeah. as far as, you know, uh, both Gentiles and Jews were concerned. Like, there, were, there was an understanding that that's the way. Yeah, the Gentiles have no place in the world to come. You, you know, you sort of had to do a legal conversion and be accepted into the family uh, legally to, mm -hmm. to actually achieve salvation. And so there, there's actually a, a, an interesting paper written about Cornelius about um, how most likely he probably couldn't wait for retirement so that he could actually do a legal conversion so that he would be accepted into the family of Israel. But while he was still actively a centurion, he would not be able to. He did the best he could. Right, so he, he probably was waiting until he could do it and then he would when he had the nearest chance to do so. Um, it just to reflect the mindset of God fears at the time. They had their reason one, one way or another why they couldn't convert, uh, and they probably were doing their best to achieve it at some point. You know, that also explains the, you know, the, uh, the well treatment of the Jewish people. I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're a devout man and, and, and love the Lord, you're going to be good to his people. But right. um, I think the mention of it is almost like in that, that he, as much as he could, yeah. uh, lavished them with you know wealth and gifts and whatnot uh, so that he would be well received when that time came yeah and whether his intention was like specifically for that or you just just out of sh the sheer goodness of his heart mm -hmm. um, but yeah he definitely would be better off received uh you know <laughs> hey uh synagogue you guys have a you guys have a torah scroll i'll donate one here's a ton of money go get you guys a torah scroll Remember Cornelius, you know? yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> which he probably did things like that. But um, anyway, um, now send men to uh, Joppa. Is it Joppa? Joppa. Yeah, Joppa. Joppa. Well, technically, the J would have been a Y. Yeah, it would have been Yopa. Yeah, uh, that's. I'm used to saying it that way, but I'm, for the for those who don't have a Hebrew roots background, um, not the not the denomination Hebrew roots, but like a Hebrew background yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in uh, in saying Hebrew words, um, I'm trying to go do my best to say you know the, the Christian version. Yeah. Um, but go go there. Call for Simon, also named Peter. Uh, he's being entertained as a guest by Simon the Tanner, uh, whose house is beside the sea. And once again, sh uh, Shimon is what I have here, but I have to translate. Yeah. I <clears throat> don't want to be speaking in tongues uh, out of place. <laughs> Yeah, from our last video. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, when the angel speaking him had left, uh, he called two of his servants and a soldier from among those attached to his command. After he explained everything to them, he sent them to Yopa. Okay. Um, honorable mentions. It does say that his entire house, he and his household, uh, were God-fearing. So, mm -hmm. um, likely people under his command were also god fearing yeah uh, just a little but now so we've gotten uh we've gotten past the whole hey he's a devout jewish uh trying to be a practicing jew not 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 an actual jew yeah um he's praying at the at the designated times for prayer he's probably attending synagogue um his prayers have been received as a memorial offering to god which is a big thing in and of itself excuse me uh, so now we're going to get into the meat and, meat and potatoes of this um, of the Acts chapter 10 narrative. Yeah. But it is important to lay out the foundation that Cornelius was not a Christian. Yes. Yeah. There, there, Christianity didn't exist at this time. There was no, there was no separate religion for, you know, the right. Jesus movement um, that, that hadn't deviated or separated from Judaism, yet the Roman government even acknowledged them as a sect of the Jews. Mm -hmm. called Nazarenes. And as a matter of fact, the Nazarenes actually went on to become um, heretics according to the Catholic Church. Yeah. And uh, the, the Ebionites too. Yeah. Uh, we spoke a little bit about that last night with uh, their their accounts in the Matthew Gospel. That's the, another subject the for Ebionite, another time. Uh, the Ebionites have... They had um, some beliefs too that we should definitely we should definitely take a video and go over some Ebionite beliefs. I think it's worth it. It'd be a fun topic uh, for some serious controversy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no. Be that as it may, these were uh, the 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 Nazarene sect of Judaism um, was exactly that. It was a sect of Judaism. You know, there 
was uh, right. And they were called Nazarenes because that's that's the town that Yeshua came from. Um, and that's it's common in Judaism. The 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 Lubavitcher Jews, the the, the founder of that movement movement comes from Lubavitch, hence <laughs> they're called Lubavitchers. Yeah, it's uh, they do that. Um, they even do it with their documents. First word of the documents, the title of the document. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so the next day, as the soldiers were traveling and approaching the city, Peter went up to the rooftop to pray at about the sixth hour. So. The Minka prayer, real quickly, um, can take place anywhere between the sixth hour and the ninth hour, because mm-hmm. it's the afternoon prayer, and the sixth hour would have been about noon. Um, so they're actually praying at about the same time, according, they're praying the same prayer, the same afternoon Minka yeah. prayer. They're just doing it at, you know, Peter, basically being a rabbi, uh, he would do it at his earliest convenience, um, yeah. so he doesn't have anything else that he's doing trade-wise at the moment. And so as soon as as soon as it's like all right, you are allowed to begin the mincha prayer at, beginning at the sixth hour, and you can't uh, say it if you miss it no later than you know like the ninth uh, after the ninth hour. So yeah. In the tenth hour, it's too late. You know, if you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. Um, and so you know about the sixth hour, when he became very hungry and wanted to eat, uh, but while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. Also. Um, rabbis back then didn't eat until the sixth hour every day. They didn't do breakfast. Yeah. That's actually Talmudic. Um, rabbis, it's like, it's not like a law that you have to follow, but it was a custom to, uh, to not eat until, um, after, until either before or after the Mincha prayer. And so the fact that he goes up to pray at about the sixth hour, which is, you know, noon, and he gets hungry, he hasn't eaten yet. Yeah. So... That's why. That that's. It's just a small detail of, of something that's happening here. Well, I think it definitely grants you know uh, a little bit of intensity to what we're about to go into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's hungry. Yeah, yeah, um, and also once again just stressing that Peter was a Jew. He lived a Jew, born a Jew, and he died a Jew. Because he was still praying. He, he, after <laughs> Peter after, was not a Christian. <laughs> yeah, after growing, you know, after being under the tutelage of Jesus for three years, experiencing the, you know, the, having been there for the death of Jesus and then the resurrection, having seen Jesus rise, okay, none of this has turned him into anything other than a, a yeah. religious Jew. Yeah. How do we know that? Well, he's still observing the daily prayers. Right. Yeah, and there's actually a fun book called Paul Was Not a Christian, and that's why I say Peter was not a Christian. It's, it's a good book. The book essentially is, uh, you know, based on the whole Christianity as a title, is, doesn't arise until later, and Paul also never identifies himself as such. He's, mm-hmm. he's a Jew, but that, that's for another time. It, just a little joke there. But Peter is <laughs> Peter's not a Christian. It, that may offend some people. I don't care. Uh, he was not the Pope. He was a Jew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, so now he became very hungry and wanted to eat. Uh, verse 11, he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet come down lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all sorts of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds of the air. A voice came to him and said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, certainly not, Lord, for never have I eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, you must not consider unholy. This happened three times, and the sheet was immediately taken up to heaven. Now, while Peter was puzzling about what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men sent by Cornelius found Shimon's house and appeared before the gate. They called out and began to ask whether Shimon, called Peter, was staying in his place as a guest. All right, so we'll stop. Yeah, that's a good place to stop, I think. Yeah. So, but I wanted to read it all because there's, there's yeah. a lot going on. and I There's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, so you got to take the whole thing into account. Yeah. Um, I, I think probably uh, the the first thing to bring to bear here is the the sheet with four corners. Yep, a talit. <laughs> yes, that's... Uh, it's almost an obvious hint as to what's going on here um, because it... You get a sheet with four corners. Now, we understand that from both Deuteronomy and Numbers, and I guess yep. you're going to be pulling up Numbers right now. I'm going to read it. Go for it. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know, uh, a talit is a common garment worn by observant Jews. It comes from Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. <clears throat> um, 
And Hashem, the Lord, spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, They are to make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations. They are to put a blue cord on each tassel. It will be for your own tassels. So whenever you look at them, you will remember all of the commandments of Adonai and do them and not go spying after your own hearts and your own ways, um, prostituting yourselves. This way you will remember and obey all of my commandments and be holy to your God. Uh, that I am Adonai your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be a God to you. I am Adonai your God, that's the last. And then it goes into 16. So, so anytime a Jew hears this term four corners, that's the immediate picture in his head. You're, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're being given a picture of a talit, and then what does what is the talit? It was to remind them of the Torah. Of the commandments, okay? yeah. It was, it was to symbolize the commandments. So here we have a symbol of the commandments coming down. Out of heaven. Out, out of it's heaven. It's descending from heaven, so that's another thing. Yes. So. And and within it are contained all, all manner of clean, unclean, and common animals. Okay, well... That's absolutely true. If you look into the Torah, if you look in there, you will find <laughs> rulings contained within the Torah. Contained within the Torah about all of these things. Um, so, the, in in the mind of Peter, he's already got kind of an idea of what's going on a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's the, he's you know we we can kind of take a take a back seat in his subconscious. You see the sheet coming down. Okay, so the the Torah, the animals inside it. Yes. Okay, I get that. There's that. You know, your, your rules about clean and unclean animals are in the Torah. Get that, okay? Mm-hmm. Now we continue on. Yeah. And, and he refuses. Uh, so get up, kill, and eat. And he's like, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, he, so I think that's the thing that, that I always try and point out to people when they when they bring this up. You know, uh, they I, I specifically order a burger. We're out with friends, and I order a burger that comes with bacon on it. And I, I, I specify, can I get that without bacon? And, you know, then I get the this look because it's a new friend that I've just met, yeah. you know. And, uh, oh, you know, you say, okay, well, the Bible Bible says not to eat pork. And uh, so I, out comes, out comes uh, Acts chapter 10, and I'm like, okay, well, first of all... Peter said no. Notice <laughs> that Peter just blatantly said no, and he wasn't reprimanded for it. <laughs> he didn't get any kind of punishment for... I mean, and that's like a... It's a lot of chutzpah to, yeah. uh, to tell God no. You gotta be brave. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially considering it was probably, you know, well, it was a batkol. It was a, yeah, a voice, voice from, from heaven. heaven. Yep. So, you know, he, he there was no mistake about who was speaking. Right. Um, but, uh, so yeah, to, to have the, the gall to just say no after mm-hmm. being told by a voice from heaven to do this, uh, Peter, Peter had to have understood something that took precedence. Well, at this point, he probably thought of himself as being tested, you know, because uh, God never changes. And so mm-hmm. if a voice from heaven comes down and says, kill and eat, well, the precedent has been set. The Torah never changes. The Torah is here to stay forever. Matthew five seventeen. It's not going anywhere. Its precepts are eternal. So if you see a bunch of unclean animals, even if a voice from heaven tells you to kill and eat, it's like, are you testing me? How about no? (laughs) Because you said yourself, and and he says it, you know, never have I eaten anything unclean or unholy, which is a different aspect of the the common. Yeah. I feel like that's a word that a lot of, a lot of, you know, your normal everyday pew sitting Christians, they like read over that and never consider what that actually is. They think he's just saying the same thing twice. He's definitely not. They're not. It's two different things. Uh, common would be like meat that would otherwise be kosher, but not holy enough or clean enough, pure enough uh, to be given in a temple service in any so, way. Um, and also, uh, if the meat was touched by a Gentile, it becomes common. So yeah, so probably it, meat meat that was uh, clean, so from a clean animal like a deer or or a goat or a lamb or something, but had it been sacrificed to an idol, at this point it becomes common. Been, that would have been common, right? Or even if it was not slaughtered. Uh, correctly correctly yep or that. if it was prepared by a gentile like touched in any way uh it becomes common and so peter is saying i've not even like not only have i kept the kosher laws but i've only ever eaten food that's that would be that's, acceptable at the temple that's a, that, <laughs> and that's another important thing to point out here because he's not even saying look i've never broken the torah's commands in this aspect he's actually going further and saying i've never broken the rabbinical commands in this aspect yep you know, this is a Which this is, is big. Yeah, I mean, that's you. We're talking oral tradition there. Yeah. Um, so even if these animals, which were 
clean on the sheet. Let's say that there were some that were that were clean, but he could tell that they were common for some reason. He would not, he still wouldn't eat them. Yeah, you almost wonder how he could tell that they were common. I, I'm sure he couldn't. I'm just saying that if there was a way he could tell, yeah. that I mean, he would make that distinction. Um, but um, yeah, that distinction is an important one because mm. at the time they were so obsessed with ritual purity. Yes. And you had to be. If you wanted to go to the temple every day, you had to be in a state of ritual purity, which Peter went to the temple as, as every day that he could. A lot. And so he would abstain from anything common so that he could still go to the temple and pray every day. Mm -hmm. So here he is, you know, making a case for that. Um, and it happens three times. Again, the th three. This is, yeah, <laughs> that is par for the course for Peter. Yeah. And that I think is, you know, we go on and Peter doesn't understand the dream, okay? He's, the, the sheet's taken up into heaven after three times, and he's left scratching his head. Like, okay, well, like, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but What's going on here? That's, you know, Peter, Peter from what we gather in, in the Gospels, was a, a, little bit, a little bit thick. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say, yeah, maybe a little, he was maybe, the rock, right? Yeah. So a little, a little bit more. A little slower unmoving. to catch on and. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, th so this is par for the course for him For him in two ways. First of all, there are several parables that Yeshua uses in the New Testament and all of the Gospels that involve food. Okay? Mm -hmm. Jesus was actually very fond of using food in parable. Um, but in addition to that, this is not the first time that Peter's had to have something repeated to him three times before he got it. Right. You know, yeah. there's there's the, the Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, then feed my sheep. Right, yeah. Uh, again, using food yeah. for, for, for an object <laughs> lesson. Feed my sheep. You know, that we're still using, we're on the same subject matter. Um, so, yeah, you, you go through that charade three times. Here we've got the same thing happening. You've yep. got the same scenario. We're using food as an object lesson here, and it's got to be repeated three times before he gets it. Yeah, yeah. And, so. and I say food as an object lesson. And it sounds like a cop-out, right? No. <laughs> well, it's awfully convenient for you to say that it's an object lesson because then it doesn't have to be that God was telling him to eat unclean animals. Well, we're going to explain that. Yeah, we'll get there to that point in a little bit. Um, so we might as well move on from that so we yeah, can get to that oh, point. Yeah. So while Peter was mulling over the vision, um, the Ruach, <laughs> the Spirit said to him, Look here, three men are looking for you. Uh, but get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitating, because I myself have sent them. Going down to the men, Peter said, Here I am, the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by all the Jewish people, was directed by a holy angel to summon you to this house and hear a message from you to his house and hear a message from you. Um, I actually really like this uh, this particular little back and forth because Peter is being told don't worry about it just go with them mm -hmm. and when they show up they like present a case to yeah. Peter uh, you know they're like Cornelius a centurion but he's righteous and he's God fearing and he's, he's even well spoken of by the Jewish people like they're like making a case and he's like he's asking if you can come to his house but like He's, he's a good man, I, I promise. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, like, yeah, making they're, a case. They're trying to build him up to Peter. Yeah, be, well, because otherwise, Peter in this day, he would have refused. Absolutely. I would even venture to say that with this little argument, this little discourse, that Peter would still have refused to go. So, and that's where, that's where I can tell you that my, my father would say, at the point that the Spirit tells him, there are men coming, they're looking for you, go with them without question. Yeah. That's the point where, where he understood the dream. I think and that's where the light bulb clicked on. I think not yet. I think when they ask him, then the light clicks on. He's like, go with him. Like, why why not ask questions? And then, uh, oh, he's, they want me to go to see a Gentile. Okay, now I see yeah. what you want. Now you, that's why you told me to go without asking. Okay, awesome. Or without reservation. Um, but yeah, just, you know, the Jewish people at the time, a lot of people don't know this. If you so much as came in contact with a, uh, with a Gentile, you were now you were considered ritually unclean. impure. Um, Gentiles were unclean, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, you, you couldn't so much as eat meat prepared by them. We talked about that briefly a little bit. But you couldn't go into their house. Peter mentions this later on. He says, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's house. Um, 
So when we get there, we'll also get to that yeah. point. I think we have a couple of source material about yeah. that. Uh, Pierre K. de Rabbi Eliezer 29, I know, goes over that. Uh, the there's, there's a couple of different scenarios and a couple of different statuses of uncleanliness that, yeah. are, that are given to certain circumstances of associating with Gentiles. Um, I can read that, uh, Pierre K. Yeah, if you've source. got the citation. Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, so Pierre K. de Rabbi Eliezer uh, 29. Why did uh, Abraham circumcise his servants? Because of ritual purity, so that they would not defile their masters with their food and their drink. For whoever eats with an uncircumcised person is as though he were eating the flesh of an abomination, i.e. an unclean animal. Anyone who bathes in the same bath as an uncircumcised is as if he bathed with a leper, and all who touch an uncircumcised person are as though they touched a corpse. So this is the mindset back then. Mm-hmm. So, I, like I said, I would venture to say that if, if, even after hearing this from the men, from Cornelius, he probably would, still would have been like, nope. <laughs> um, but he invited them in his guests, so the next day uh, they got up and uh, he went with them and um, some of the brothers from Yopa accompanied him. Uh, as obviously, if you're going to travel, usually you travel with a, yeah. with a convoy of some sort. Um, not like today where one person gets in a car and they travel. Yeah, uh, I think I think another citation really to, to bring to bear here, because this is this is, you know, where the light bulb clicks on that, you know, this this is Peter's vision was obviously about associating with Gentiles. Um, that that's where that's where you substantiate the the notion that his vision was an object lesson. But you know what? We'll get there when Peter when Peter explains the dream. Okay. Okay. That's I'll, I'll save that because that's uh, that's he's gonna yeah. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna express that later. <laughs> so we just keep going. Yeah, I would, I would say keep going at this point. The following day, he entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet, and it says and worshipped him. It's not a really good. It's not. There's a few words in Greek for worship. This is more like and 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 stood in awe, revered, revered. Yeah, it's not like to act. Paid respects to. Yeah, it is a different word. It's not. It's not the same. Um, so I don't like it when translations put worshipped him, but um, it's a lot more like yeah, just to to awe. Um, but Peter pulled him up, saying, "Stand, uh, I too am just a man." Talking with him, Peter went inside and found many people gathered. Uh, he said to them, You yourselves know that this is not permitted for a Jewish man to associate with a non-Jew or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call anyone unholy or unclean. That is the meaning of the vision, according to Peter. And using Peter's own words, mm-hmm. that's what he interpreted the vision to mean. Yes. That's, again, that's when, when this passage is brought up, I almost always try and work around to asking the question, okay? Well, Peter didn't seem to get that from the dream. Right. So, yeah, Peter what, never What precedent do you have to derive something from the, the vision that Peter himself did not? Peter twice actually explains the meaning of this vision and in it's both the times same both times. In the, yeah, in both accounts he never mentions food. He he obviously mentions what the vision is. Um, but never once does he go, so this means that, you know, all, all foods are clean and all Gentiles are clean. He, he just, no, this means, and it's, it's honestly, it's like a parable. Uh, we went over this in our uh, study group. Parables are used to illustrate one point and one point only. Mm-hmm. You are not meant to draw any more than one point or any other parallels that could be pulled out of the parable. And yeah. it's supposed to be an obvious point, too. Yeah, it's supposed to, but it, the thing is, it is just one point. Yeah. You, you, so if you take a parable and you draw all sorts of parallels and allegories and everything you, from the parable, yeah. you're doing it wrong. Yeah, if you didn't draw <laughs> out from the parable what it, what it was obviously about, then you've you've done it wrong. Yeah, and, and so, and, you know, we tend to do that a lot. Christians tend to do that a lot. Pastors do that a uh, lot. You get an entire four-point sermon out of one parable, and it's just like, okay, well... Yeah, no, one point is to be drawn from this parable. It's not made for you to create doctrine out of. It's not a riddle. It's not anything other than just to illustrate one particular point so that you can understand whatever that one point is more easily. Mm-hmm. And likewise with a vision, every time God gives a vision to a prophet, it usually is for one point 
and one point only. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else for you to draw from that. Yeah, there's no precedence anywhere else where you could find a vision that has more than one. No, every vision that God speaks meaning. into a prophet, it, he's to draw one meaning from that vision, and then that's it. And so it's almost never literal. Yeah, it's usually never literal. It's usually object lessons, like yeah. the vision of the uh, the olive branch. Yeah. Jeremiah, what Jeremiah. do you see? <laughs> I, I see a, a, a tree, an almond branch tree. Uh, and he's like, good, for I'm making sure that my, I'm watching for my word to be done. And the whole point of the almond branch is an object lesson because the word for almond branch, shockhead, uh, and shokhead, watching, is spelled the same way. It's just pronounced differently depending on the context. That's the object lesson. It's, mm -hmm. it's a tree or a branch, and so you're not supposed to be like, yeah, well, you know, Israel is always referred to as a tree, and this is just a branch, and so we're like watching for a branch, like say Judah, to make sure that Judah will carry on the word, because the rest of Israel divorced from God, and like, there's all these parallels you can pull out of it. It's like, no, 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 God showed him a branch to illustrate one point, that I am watching that my word be done. That's yeah. it, move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't make too much out of that. And so that begs the question then, why the animals, why food? How does how does food translate to God is no respecter of persons? Because that's that's one of the that's one of the things that I, honestly I, I it's like I understood this before now, but I didn't really know how to put it into words until now actually. Um, but if if you take Peter's vision to mean that the kosher laws have now been gone away and done away with, right? Then now you have the problem of extrapolating that God is no respecter of persons out of that. If you've dedicated the meaning of that vision to be pertaining to food, now you have a problem. As you could possibly still get both. It's it's harder though. Maybe. Cause so because like that that's what I mean, is if it's not an object lesson and it's literal, now you've got to figure out a way of using mental gymnastics to make food pertain to well it's it's common yeah you know, yeah i guess the idea if, if if it would be a little bit more difficult sure but because we don't eat people so <laughs> making food pertain to people is definitely that that's going to present some difficulty um now the reason for the object lesson and its simple meaning is is that you know what i have called clean you should not call uncommon mm -hmm. what did god call clean what did he call unclean? Well, he calls food clean and unclean. And that is what... But he never calls people clean and unclean. Well, and that's, that's what I always try and, and point out as well. You know, people said, you know, well, God said, you know, what I have made clean, do not call common or unclean. And I'm like, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, but, but you're not understanding. God made pigs unclean. That's how he made them. Yeah. <laughs> So God's not saying he's, he's I have not, made them clean now. Yeah, he's not saying I have cleansed them. He's saying I made this this way. Yeah, I made these unclean. You can't call humans unclean because I never said that. That's yeah. the object lesson that you're supposed to get, you know, from. So, but it still begs the question, why to Peter would, would you know, animals and, and food per se, uh, why would that translate to people? To oh, Gentiles specifically. You're talking Talmudically, where they usually refer to Gentile nations as unclean they, animals. They would refer to Gentile nations yeah. as unclean animals. Uh, what is the citation for that? That is... Uh, Leviticus Rabbah 13.5. Uh, that, that, that particular Leviticus Rabbah is uh, something Rome. like um, Rome is compared to a, a An unclean a pig. bird. An unclean a pig. I'm pretty sure... Was it a pig? It was, it was a pig because bird. it uses the idea of... Uh, Rome is a pig because a pig sits down and you see its split hooves and it says, see, I'm clean. But really, it's full of uns all yes. sorts of uncleans and debaucheries and, and things. And a pig is, it, on the outside, it appears to be clean because it has a split hoof, but it's still unclean to eat. Mm -hmm. And so they compare Rome to a pig because it appears to be nice. It appears to be clean on the outside, but on the inside, it's full of all sorts of uncleanliness. Yeah. So they commonly, yeah, the Jewish people always refer to Gentile nations as an unclean animal of some sort. And so I think Peter's confusion at first is because at first the dream seems to be about yeah, food. Yeah, he's like, wait, what? Are we cleansing food now? Yeah, yeah. That's, is the Torah malleable? Can yeah. we change things? Does, was God a liar when yeah. he said, I don't change? Yeah. Is it, you know, like this, this really, this had to have been like ground shaking to his faith at this point I'm because. Sure. Now, the master you know, said that the Torah will stay forever. And 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this vision. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me I uncomfortable. Mean, that's, that's a struggle that's definitely going on for him. And then the Gentile men come to build a case for another Gentile man yep. who loves the Lord and is asking Peter to come visit him. And, then, and that's when he's just like, oh, I get yeah. it. Uh, unclean, like Gentiles. Got it. Uh. <laughs> Tracking. <laughs> yep. Um. And so uh, we should probably move on now from yeah. that. Uh, I think we hit that one pretty well. But um, so at verse 29, so I came without objection when I was sent for, uh, I asked then, what is the reason why you sent for me? And Cornelius declares, four days ago at this hour, I was praying the Mincha, right? Uh, my translation says Mincha. We just briefly went over that. It's the daily prayers. Yep. At the time at which the Mincha offering would be offered. Uh, suddenly a man stood in front of me in shining clothes. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your sadaka remembered before God. Therefore, send to Yopa and ask for Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Um, all right, so. Well, I read the next verse because yeah, that's, as well. that's important. Peter opened his mouth and said, uh, I truly understand that God is not one to show favoritism. Um, but in every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So <laughs> I think I think for Peter, it, it actually really settled the issue, like cemented it when, you know, so he asked Cornelius, you know, what do you need me here for? What do you need What's me up? here for? And Cornelius begins by saying, well, I was praying this prayer, the same one that Peter was praying when yep. he received a message from the Lord. And Cornelius is like, I received a message from the Lord while I was praying this prayer. And so like, there's a parallel there of like, oh my gosh, we were both doing the same thing at the same time. And and also though, I think what really cemented the idea in Peter's head is when uh, Cornelius tells Peter, and the angel said to me, your prayers and your sadaka have been memorialized, uh, offered up as a memorial to God. Mm -hmm. And remember, we went over early on in this video, you know, just a little bit ago, about why that's important, that a Gentile's prayers would be offered as as acceptable sacrifice. Absolutely. So Peter hears that and he goes, now I see that God shows no favoritism. Yep. Because, you know, your prayers were received the same way my prayers were received, and I'm circumcised. Born, uh, bo you know, born of that Jewish household, circumcised the eighth day, trained at the feet of the Messiah. Yeah, y you know, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and here you are, you know, doing all the same things, and you're you're non you're not legally converted in the status of Judaism, and you're everything still counts for you. That's 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 profound to a Jew at this time. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, we'll go on. You know, the message has been, um, you know, the message. He sent to the sons of Israel, proclaiming uh, peace through Messiah, uh, Yeshua. He is Lord of all. You know the message that has spread throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee uh, after the immersion that John proclaimed. You know how God anointed Yeshua of Nazareth uh, with the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, Ruach HaKodesh, and power. Uh, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses to all he did, both in, in the Judean countryside and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and caused him to be visible. Uh, not to all people, but to us, uh, witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. We ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to proclaim to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who puts his trust in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. All right, so that's that's the gospel message according yeah. to Peter, essentially. Well, and I think it's important to to express at this point that Cornelius probably had heard about this Jesus guy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but not a whole lot. And so for Cornelius, this is really the confirmation of, oh, well, this is why God told me to go get this guy. Yeah. You know? Because if he had, if he did go to synagogue, then he knew also that the Messiah is supposed to be coming. Right. And while that may not mean so much for him, according to his understanding as a Gentile, right. you know, 
Um, the fact, he's a Jewish Messiah, not a Gentile Messiah. But <laughs> you know, this is almost this is almost further confirmation for Cornelius. It's almost you know, it's 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 a level of hope given to him because you know, God sent a special messenger specifically to introduce Cornelius to the Messiah. Yeah, through a, you know, one of his even, personal even, disciples. Yeah, even though he was not well, not only through one of his disciples, through the disciple that he actually made uh his well the leader of the group at that point yeah, yeah. you know P peter was the one that was to uh take uh, take the take, reins take, yeah take so the reins take yeah. the staff as it were after after the time of jesus and uh, peter relented that to jesus brother which uh, rightfully so but uh yeah no that's the one that that the lord sent to cornelius yeah and so that's like you know what does that say to Cornelius as a Gentile? Obviously, thinking that that you know, well, there's no way for me, there's no way for me in outside of converting to Judaism at this point. And well, now I can't wait comes, to retire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but now, now he finds out he doesn't exactly have to retire. Yeah. And that's the you know that's that's kind of the hope there. It's, that is it's, the beauty of the message. That that's like that's that's weighty. Because um, once again, in a synagogue that he'd have been going to, Gentile inclusion is not in that. It's. They don't teach that at the time. It was uh, very frowned upon by the yes. Shemites of the time. Uh, so yeah, to hear a disciple of, of the master come to him and you know, and then he receives the spirit. Yeah, that is um, nothing but uh, you know a, a good news, <laughs> to use the word, for the Gentiles uh, because Ephesians. Once you were apart from the people of God, apart from all the promises. Mm -hmm. You had no part in, in, in anything to do with the family of God, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Messiah. Like, that's important. Um, so, you know, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those hearing the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in different languages and magnifying God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone refuse water for these to be immersed um, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he commanded them to be immersed in the name of Messiah Yeshua. Uh, then he asked them to stay for a few days. Okay, so that's all of Acts chapter 10. Um, important here is the the picture of uh, Shavuot, mm -hmm. once again. So the Holy Spirit comes down in Acts 2 on the holiday of Shavuot, or Pentecost. Yep. Um, and it comes down in the same manner that the first Shavuot ever happened uh, at the first time Mount Sinai in the Mishnah, we read that the Holy Spirit descended on tongues of fire so that every man and woman and child could hear the message in his own language. So it's a parallelism, it's sort of proof that this is God's doing. Yeah. And then we see the same thing happen to Gentiles, not at the temple. And so even more solidifying for Peter, obviously. That yes you do not have to be a circumcised Jew legally to uh, to receive salvation. And this is the first time we're seeing this for Gentiles, getting the salvation. And that that is the, the message of the gospel according to Peter. Yes. And, you know, it, imagine how that was for Peter, and especially the, the other disciples that were with him, uh, the, well, the other Jews that were with him at this point, because... You know the, the Jewish understanding at this time would have been that uh, you know Goyim Gentiles don't have a neshama. That's right. Yeah, they don't have a godly soul. They, that that wouldn't you know so so seeing the the Holy Spirit fill these people. That's your godly soul right there. And and give them the gift of tongues at this point is like, especially for Peter having experienced that himself. Right. You know and receive that gift. It's like okay, well God really doesn't care where yeah. you're born from he's no favoritism with yeah. god as long as you love him and fear him you know and keep his ways devote your life to him then you receive the gift of salvation whether or not you you achieve jewish legal status or not um we have a and once again gentiles are being saved but which gentiles are being saved God-fearing Gentiles, mm -hmm. heavily Torah-observant Gentiles. Gentiles who are already doing the works of the Lord. Right. Those are the ones that are being here getting saved. And it's basically for Peter, this is the idea, like, you know, not all Gentiles are unclean, obviously. And so to associate all Gentiles with being pure, uh, impure, uh, tainted by paganism, 
is wrong because not all Gentiles are pagan believers. Yeah. And so like that, this is the object lesson here that, you know, these are not pagan believing Gentiles. So there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. They are just as saved as you are now. Absolutely. Um, but it, yeah, it is important to mention that the, the, the Gentiles here are of the household of Cornelius. He was a devout uh, man who gave tzedakah, you know, kept the Jewish ways, prayed the three times a day. Yep. That's the only religion that existed at the time. There was no Christianity yet. It was still just Judaism with with a little bit of Yeshua splashed in there uh, hence, to, to help clarify some teachings, but it was still Judaism as a whole. Hence why Peter wanted to, uh, to, to, to put them <laughs> through a mikvah. Yeah, the, uh, to, to convert them yeah. without, without a circumcision. Yes. Uh, instead of putting them through, you know, a three to five year long process, it was just like, okay, well, they're, yeah, uh, let's so, dunk you now. We'll, we'll, yep. we'll put you through the, the watery grave and you can be reborn a Jewish person. That is important <laughs> actually to mention here because usually to get a mikvah, you do have to be circumcised first mm -hmm. and then you can get baptized. And so here we have really the first instance of a baptism without a circumcision. Mm -hmm. So this is now the new conversion process. Yes. And it's it's important actually uh, to mention, and, and I'm sure we'll end up doing another video entirely Probably. on the subject. But they received the Holy Spirit prior to being baptized. This this was something that, <laughs> that probably I didn't hit hard enough in the debate that I recently did. No, uh, you didn't. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, it I did mention it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, because it's. It, that that is important because that sets the precedence here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is before really Paul is is doing the wonders that he's doing in his ministry. So the first precedent that we get of Gentiles being saved via, you know, Peter's influence is that they're saved first and then baptized later. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously the, the baptism is 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 sort of for the conversion process, yes. more or less. It's not really part of the salvation process it's part of the conversion process yeah and so peter being of course obsessed with ritual purity at the time would have stressed a a baptism anyway well, as a way to enter into a state of your new uh, saved existence with a sense of purity if you're going to house the holy spirit then the, the vessel must be clean yes yeah your body is a temple so you shouldn't let anything unclean enter your temple yes right so Kosher. <laughs> if it can't be given on the altar, you can't take it in on your personal altar. Yes. That's uh, the kosher laws are actually more or less designed as a sense of holiness. And, uh, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, a closer examination of Acts chapter 10, it's very hard to make a case that it's about food. Yeah. It's there's so much more going on in this chapter than than food. And like I said, to make it about food presents presents a problem of, of putting almost a stumbling block in the way of making it about what the rest of the chapter is making it about. Yeah. It's it's harder to bring out the actual message if you're interpreting Peter's vision literally. And and uh, I think uh, in discussing a little earlier when we were talking about doing this video, um, something you read actually mentioned that interpreting Peter's dream literally would, would equate to interpreting the vision that Daniel's given of all the beasts literally. Daniel 7, right, yep. You wouldn't do that. It's obvious that that's not a literal message. So, yeah, it's an allegorical message. Yeah, so why would you do this? Yeah, so it's likewise, and once again, um, just like a parable, you are meant to draw from a vision one point and one point alone. Peter's one point, and he says it twice, and it's the same one point, this is about Gentiles. Gentiles, nowhere in the Torah are Gentiles called unclean. So we need to stop at treating them like they're, you know, just unclean on the basis of the fact that they're not Jews. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, Peter, Peter was sent to go and uh, be the witness of the Messiah to the Gentiles, to a Gentile who was already keeping kosher. Yeah. Yeah, so he's already, you know, if, if if Peter had any reason to visit anybody, it would have been Cornelius, but he wouldn't have done it anyway. And so yeah. It, but still, it's it's just interesting the, the way the whole thing plays out. But um, definitely to, like, summarize, Peter himself, the vision was never about food. Um, visions are meant to have one meaning, just like parables. One point is to be drawn from it. Um, and so... Nowhere else in the narrative surrounding the vision of the sheet do we have any indication that it's ever been about food. 
and no one even accuses him of making such a claim in later texts or yeah. anything like that. Like it just never comes up uh, in the biblical narratives. It only ever shows up in Christian commentaries. Yeah, uh, and it, that, that I hadn't thought about that. That's worth bringing up. That that Peter is never charged with teaching this. Yeah. He's never charged with teaching against the kosher law, which is something that would have come up. Yep. And we know that based on Acts 21 and 22, where Paul's charges are brought to him. Yep. You know, James comes to him comes to him and says, "Look, we've heard that you've been teaching some, this, some things. This, yeah, and... some some stuff that's not really cool." Um, <laughs> and we know that they're false. And so <laughs> you you would have had a similar. Uh, yeah. Interaction between Peter and James. If if Peter in any if way, he, Peter had ever derived from this dream that it was about food. Yep, because the Jewish people around him would be like, "Wait, so you're teaching people to go against Torah?" Deuteronomy 13. Yeah. He's obviously not the Messiah. All right, stone him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so he would have been brought before the, the the Sanhedrin under charges of teaching against the Torah, which is punishable by death. Yes. So. The fact that that's never brought up means that he never once mentioned the, the food aspect. So it never yeah. meant that to him. And that, that's that's the driving point to take away from all this. Yes, I think. yes. It's, 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 it deserves much more emphasis than people give it. The fact that Peter never derived the dream to mean anything pertaining to food. Right, yeah. Okay, well, it's, it's been about an hour. It's time to wrap things up. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. thought this one would be short, but it never is. No, no, they always go longer than we intend, so. Yeah, well, you know, as long as the listeners don't mind uh, going into more depth, then that's why they're here, I guess. If that's... you want shallow Christianity, go to Facebook and find a verse on someone's page. <laughs> Bumper sticker Christianity. Yeah, Joel Osteen um, is right there for everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to get to, but, it, you know. <laughs> Anyway, now that we're done uh, offending as many people as we can. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Let's <Lakaim. Lakaim. laughs>